wind comes sweeping down the plain. What's going on, everybody? Baker here, flying solo. DJ Oreo is still with me. Don't turn me off yet. He's uh, he was busy this one. He was present. I will say that he was there. He's uh, he's just busy doing DJ Oreo things, hustling and grinding. But uh, in this episode, got two guests: Trent Gallegos, Nick Parsons. Uh, Trent is a friend of mine from high school. Uh, he is a Hasty Bake brand ambassador. And Nick Parsons is the vice president of marketing and operations. I think I got that right. Yeah, I'm pretty positive. But summertime's rolling around. Typically, that means grilling out, hanging out with friends. So what better way than to get an episode in with a local company that does backyard barbecues? Um been around since 1948 70 plus years right here in Tulsa Oklahoma so sit back enjoy this one or don't I hope you do check it out howdy how you doing I'm, I'm really sorry <laughs> I'm really sorry uh, so I left uh, left the Bixer at home for our first run back and come to find out Oreo has uh, got a deal that he's setting up for tonight uh, here at the Tulsa bar but, okay. uh, hey, we, roll with the we roll with the punches, man. We're yeah. good. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys being flexible. <laughs> uh, I am here riding solo with uh, my buddy, Trent. I'm and, waving. <laughs> yeah, He's you right. are. <laughs> I wish I had uh, had time to set up. Had I been on time, I would have would have set up cameras, and we would have done video. But uh, here with my buddy Trent. Trent and I grew up together a uh, yep. couple, couple streets down, and uh, Nick Parsons from uh, Hasty Bake. How y'all doing? I really appreciate you coming. Yeah, man. I'm sure you were busy. But you guys just closed, didn't you? Uh, I wasn't working today, so we got the crew out oh. handling the store today. So I till one. Uh, slept in, had some coffee. Uh, not, can't complain. That's been a good Saturday. Yeah, well, now that the rain's passed, right? No, well, is it supposed to rain for later on today? A little bit later. I am. Yeah. It's, I can't complain, man. This is good. I actually took yesterday off, first time in like a really long time. So really? I gave myself a three-day weekend. There you go. Which, uh, doing a podcast on ah. the weekend ain't bad. That's fine. No. Yeah. No, and uh, you gives guys, me something to do. So, uh, obviously, I'm really excited about this because I got a hasty bake. Yeah, you're hooked, man. For <laughs> uh, hook, line, I guess, and I guess that's a subtle way of saying that. Um, I think I he got, likes it. I got I got a hasty bake for Christmas from my father-in-law. Uh, he's been he swears by him. He's we should he's, probably set a hasty bake is a charcoal grill. Yes, it uh, is. You, I, I assume your people know that, but if not, no, they don't. I it's want a you grill. To it's a cooker. You cook things on it, yeah. meats and proteins and vegetables and, you know, yes. things like that. The occasional dessert, 
dessert too. Let's yeah. not forget. I use it's it's not like the easy bake oven. So right. I just want people to like be listening and be like, he got an easy bake oven for Christmas. Yeah, wow. he's reliving his childhood. Just plug yeah. it in, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> you make sure that little light bulb doesn't go. Off. Yeah, the, the the electric one did not last long. So yeah, well I saw that you guys. Uh, we yeah, years uh, and years ago. I think what I heard was Grant Hastings, the founder of Hasty Bake. Um, they wanted to make a model for like apartment dwellers because a lot of times apartment people can't have charcoal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was basically they took the same grill and then they took an electric element like you'd have like in a broiler on an oven and mounted it in the hood and you throw your meat blowing pl- plug that thing in <laughs> and uh, probably as close to an easy bake oven as you're ever going to get with it but yep. they, they sold some units and every now and then they pop up and they're kind of fun to look at and collector item. people think we photoshopped it and we're like no I mean I'm not proud of it but we did it right. it's a real thing yeah that I mean it, I saw you you post on uh, the Hasty Bake group the the April Fools that you yeah. were coming back with when everybody was like really is this really happening yeah. like I mean people some people just didn't get it no they it, it's fine. It's every now and then April Fool's jokes kind of, and that yeah. one that one didn't take off. But uh, there's a couple people that were confused. They're like, "You should stick with charcoal. Like you never veer from what you." Yeah, we veered at one point. We did it. Same yeah. same people would have got a had a joke uh, on their behalf anyway. So I thought about joking about creating a pellet grill, but that hits a little too close to home. Like people think we will eventually do that, which we won't. Not as long as I'm in charge. Yeah, that's uh, that seems a bit crazy. Um, you are you're not from here, correct? No, so I moved to Tulsa about. 12 years ago okay and where are you from originally uh all over the place uh grew up quite a bit in california um some texas some utah um get kind of family all over the place but he was a big wave surfer in california i, I actually too, so. surfed in california i, believe I mean it. if you had video on here you would uh that would be hilarious for point, people that know point break was loosely based on they don't make things. boards for boys my size anymore <laughs> But back when I lived in California, uh, it's a high school and college was in California. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I was there for a number of years and then moved out here about 12 years ago for work. Hey, C brought and, you out here? Uh, no. So I, I worked uh, in broadcast before. So I was in television broadcast for a company called The Outdoor Channel. Oh, yeah. I used to love is, you guys. You guys used to carry hockey. Uh, no, different different outdoors. So oh. there's an outdoor sports channel, and we were outdoor like hunting, fishing, off-road. Like Jimmy Houston? Yeah, Jimmy Houston stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we had uh, worked for them for uh, 10 or 12 years, I think. Okay. And then uh, came out to run one of their divisions out here, and then... Uh, kind of, we originally, my wife and I were going to move to Texas because that's where the rest of my family was. Okay. And then uh, my work had an opening in Tulsa, and they said, hey, we can get you within a few hours, take the job if you like it for a couple years. If you want to leave after that, it's fine. So we took the job and fell in love with Tulsa, and that's kind of the end of it. But I wasn't exposed to Hasty until I came out here. Uh, I had a buddy of mine uh, went down to the first Bixby Barbecue and Blues Festival, which is a big um, – KCBS competition barbecue event that happens every year here in South Tulsa. Biggest in the state. Biggest in the state, yeah. Yeah, Trent Uh, was telling me that when I was messaging him trying to find... I, I went. I was really impressed. Right. And although I know you're probably a little upset that I didn't vote for you guys on People's Choice. Hey, it's okay. You can be wrong. <laughs> but, hey, that's what my wife says. Who, who, my who wife, you vote for, Nikki? Uh, high dive, yeah. High dive. High dive, yeah. Yeah. So. Which also cooks on Hasty. No, no, I get it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't judge. I judge a little bit, but not too bad. Yeah. But no, right. so we, kept, so we, I got introduced into it with, uh, with Bixby Barbecue and Blues and, and met some friends of mine from the company I was working with at the time and walked up and got all these guys lined up with these big you know multi you know tens of thousands of dollar trailers and these buddies of mine were cooking on these little backyard units uh and was kind of making fun of them a little bit like you know kind of jabbing saying like hey you guys you know trying to play with the big boys and then i tried some of the food and i was like holy shit 
shit. Can I say shit? Is that a- yeah, we're on the internet. Sweet. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, man, this is killer. Uh, so, and then for, for about another year or two, like, I fought the urge to go buy one because I've always been, like, a big steel cooker. Santa like Maria. Santa Maria stuff, you know, big offsets, you know, that weigh 5,000 pounds. Uh, and to me, like, that was barbecue. And so transitioning to kind of more of a backyard field model was a little, little weird for me, but finally pulled the trigger and bought one and was instantly hooked. Yeah, and I know the feeling. I took all my so I, I've been I've been cooking for a long time, right? Uh, and took all my grills and put them in storage because I wanted to force myself to learn and not default back to something. You know, if I was having a hard time with it, and it was like a month later, I was like, I don't think I'm ever getting those out of storage again. Right, Trent? How did you? Uh, I think you've told me before, but how did I get into yeah, it? Yeah, how did you get hooked into Hasty? Uh, I had a roommate in college who his dad dropped off this. 1970s grill you know at the time i was just like i cool you know nice nice grill that we'll probably never use and he used it all the time and i was going so you can make anything on this and it tastes good so college goes by i get a little um one of those little weber drum smokers have you ever seen those little vertical no i don't bullet looking things like a little bullet thing or maybe it was a oh yeah it was the old brinkman the the weber knockoff yeah i got i got a web i that's what i was using whenever my master built broke Yeah, yeah something like that and then i got into it and then cooked cooked one good pork butt and then it was full throttle i got myself uh a big offset Remember our friend, you know, Braden Tyler? Yeah, yeah. He and I cooked together a lot. Well, his dad was a big hasty bait guy, and that's what actually got me hooked into it because he was a guy that knew the science of it, how much to pull the, the firebox up, how to do the vents, how to how long to cook stuff, how to go by feel rather than by temperature, and really cool listening to all of his little secrets and everything. And he was a big bourbon guy, too, so that was a, definitely a big plus. So got rid of the offset, got my first Hasty Bake as a wedding gift, actually. Oh, wow. That's a that's a real nice wedding gift. Yeah, my, my parents got it for me. A cheap the, wedding gift is what that yeah, is. Yeah, a real cheap yeah. wedding gift. <laughs> well, it turns, I think my mom had ulterior motives uh, with what's coming off of it, because she'll just drop things off. But uh, got my first one, started cooking. Uh, Sandy McBride, who used to work uh, for them, who's now retired, she got me into their cooking and in their ambassador program and teaching classes and and actually bixby barbecue and blues was my first big competition to do and ever since then it's just been how many hasty bakes do i have which one am i cooking on you don't tell the world how many you have or at least you don't tell your wife how many you have no yeah that's just like gun ownership like nobody really knows what i have (laughs) your biggest fear is that she's gonna sell them when you're gone for what you told her you paid for them yep (laughs) yeah we're we're gonna have to put that in the trust somewhere she goes oh another one huh and i'm like yeah no i've had this one it's been here it's been here i just i haven't ever used it oh it's it's a friend's i promise i'm Uh just holding it yeah But, yeah, ever since then, and then, you know, now I've kind of upped it to cooking for uh, corporate events, small, uh, well, not even small get-togethers, golf tournaments, charity, stuff like that. And then, you know, anytime I can do a recipe with Nick or any of the guys up there, it's just, it's always a good time. Yeah, you're always messing with recipes. And uh, got to keep it fresh, man. All the stuff that you always send me just looks delicious. And I'm like, I don't even think I can attempt to do that. You don't think you can until you try. He gets intense, though. I mean, uh, of all <laughs> of all my ambassadors, who's, he kind of mentioned it. We have a team of guys, all local here in Tulsa, who are incredible cooks. They know how to teach. They're, you know, kind of the community looks to them as people who know what they're doing. Uh, so we kind of have a formalized, I know, I don't know how you weasel in there. <laughs> but we have kind of a formalized program we call it Ambassador. And they help us out with, you know, community events and volunteer.
volunteer stuff and everything. And of all the guys on the team, he probably cooks some of the craziest stuff just because I think, yeah. one, you have a palate that's a little bit more tuned to you know, some barbecue. kind of uh, European and Latin and stuff like that. You know, So it gets away from the barbecue a little bit. Uh, and he also just tries some really cool stuff You know, where a, a lot of guys and even our ambassadors, man, every one of them are you good cooks. But you get comfortable with what you're cooking in, and all of a sudden this guy comes out with a you know, 30-pound fish that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. doctored up. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, you're gutsy, bud. That's uh, it, you know, I used to think I'd never be able to do that too, though. And then you, you try it out little by little, and you get it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it is fun. And then to me, you know, you mentioned the pellet grills. Like to me, those aren't fun. Like there's no like you're really there's there's real no challenge to it, and n- not not meaning to offend those pellet grill smokers or those cookers or whoever they are out there. It's just something primal about that fire, getting that fire yeah. going and really kind of maintaining it, and you really get a sense of pride at the end of it. You're, take, you, you're taking a big variable out of your whole situation, which some people I think really appreciate because it's something you don't have to do. But then again, you're missing out on, like you said, the primal part of the fire, the smoke, you know, mm-hmm. maintaining it, spending a day out there. Yeah. It's, it's, there's something about it. I tell people, you know, when because we Hasty Bake as a company is here in Tulsa, but we also have a retail store, Tulsa Grill Store out front of it, where we sell Hasty Bake and a bunch of other, you know, makes and models and, and supplies and all that kind of stuff. And people come in looking for a grill. They'll say, well, I've been thinking about a pellet grill or, you know, charcoal or, you know, what do you think? What, you know, what direction should I go? And I always tell them, you know, are you looking for a hobby or are you looking for a way to cook? Because if it's just like, I want to eat some ribs every now and then. We've got a great Weber over here. You know, you. then I'll sell you a gasser or I'll sell you a pellet grill. You know, we, we carry Yoder pellet grills and pits and spits and, you know, nice high-end awesome. pellet grills. Uh, nothing wrong with them. No. But if you're not looking for a hobby, if you just want to hit a button, walk away, have some ribs for dinner, like that's a great option. But for those of us that like really appreciate like the primal aspect of cooking mm-hmm. with fire, of mastering a, an art form, if you will, you know, of creating something and uh, dealing with the variables of heat and airflow and like you enjoy that process that's where charcoal cooking or, yeah, or more, even wood you know on a big yeah. offset or something the more analytic down. side of actual cooking yeah it seems very analytical and it's intuitive yes mark is learning that that temperatures don't mean really much but a guideline you know there's all there's a big art form into it now yeah yeah i'm surprised yeah, i mean you can cook anything at any temperature the question is, like, how do you adapt on the back end of that? Yep. So, like, you know, a, a pork, I don't want to get too technical, like a pork, a pork butt, right? It's got a lot of intermuscular fat. All that fat's got to break down for that pork to be tender. You can cook that pork butt for 18 hours at 180 degrees, mm-hmm. or you can put, cook that pork butt for an hour at 500 degrees. The difference is, is what's going to happen with the heat and fat and everything mixed. So if you cook that thing for an hour, you're going to have to rest it for, like, 10 hours because yep. all that heat has to melt all that fat. Like when you cook at a lower point, that. you know, all that fat kind of melts in the process of it. So temperature is really subjective. I mean, you can get different results with what you want to get, but you have to know if I do X, then I have to do Y, you know? So like you said, it gets a little more analytical. Um, And I don't mind it being a long process if you want to explain it. No, no, it's fine. I mean, this is literally just my own private class. I like it. And you can get, (laughs) you can can throw the science into it too. You know, there's certain temperatures that fat turns in. Yeah collagen to gelatin and that's when that brisket jiggle happens that you see people you know on 
on TikTok or Instagram. Squeeze it. Drop it. Yeah. I heard you love that. Yeah. When they oh. squeeze out the rendered fat. Uh, you told him that, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll send Nick videos of me just squeezing rendered fat of brisket. If, I, if I any think, of your listeners ever see this, and you, you see this all the time because you know you're on TikTok and recipe videos pop up. Someone cooks this epic brisket and they cut it in half and they want to show you how juicy it is. And they like put their full body weight behind it and squeeze every last freaking bit of juice out of that brisket onto the board and then you have a dry flavor. piece of meat. Yeah. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Well, to me, it doesn't make sense because it's it going to dry out pretty sense. quick. Right. Yeah. Like it already wants to dry out. Like, why are you encouraging it? Yeah. It's, but, the, it's the same thing when you see a guy with uh, maybe a big steak and he didn't let it rest and you cut it and you see all that Look juice, how juicy all it over, is. over mm-hmm. the cutting board and you're going, I'm thinking probably would have been a lot better inside the steak as you're eating it. Just, yeah. you know, personal opinion. Right. But We teach <laughs> classes and I tell people that, you know, when you cut into it and all that juice goes over and you're like, look how juicy that cut of meat is. I'm like, no, look how juicy it was. Yeah. At that point, you kind of ruined it. I, I almost had to come over and beat Mark a few times on a on resting on resting food he's like 45 minutes is good right i'm like i mean it can be it's better than nothing yeah it is yeah. it's true i mean it just smells so good that's oh, the, oh, yeah. i just want to eat it right like then. you have to get that's yourself in the, the habit well, we're probably boring the crap out all your listeners no, here. No, like, I don't all five of them yeah right uh you and me both bud <laughs> <laughs> listen to my podcast too i need yeah. five more people <laughs> i want to i want to get on uh, that too it's all good uh no but the the rest is a huge part of cooking and and a lot of people don't understand the science behind it. and it's as simple as when you have a piece of meat that has a lot of heat around it you know just like if you were to have a you know hot oven and you go to touch it and you recoil mm-hmm. like all the juices in that meat are going to recoil from the heat right so as you get heat on the outside of that meat all the juices kind of pull back to the middle because they want to run away from heat until they're kind of trapped in the middle i think you know cold glass or hot glass cold water situation yeah where yeah. it breaks when it because it's con- contracting so fast right like it can't transfer that heat yeah. right so it's going to run away from it so you have that piece of meat in heat for you know five six seven ten hours once that heat source is gone if you were to cut into the middle of it all the juice that's now trapped in the middle running away from heat is going to go all over your cutting board but if you let it sit for 45 minutes an hour two hours sometimes briskets i'll let them sit five six hours yeah. uh, if you can uh, all that juice redistributes and kind of just turns everything more moist. So, I mean, if you're cooking a steak at the house, let it rest for five or ten minutes. Yeah. If you're cooking a pork chop, let it rest for five or ten minutes. You're cooking a big piece of meat, an hour, two hours, three hours, it's not going to hurt. Yeah. But you're getting a lot better product on the back end. And, but it is hard to you get it off the grill, man. As soon as you can put it in your mouth because it's not too hot like you want to. Yeah. I do it when it's too it. hot, too, though. Burn, burn toast, all the skin off. Get that Tostino's pizza roll effect, or pizza yeah, the Tostino's the <laughs> bagel the, bite, the lava, <laughs> yeah. lava bites. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, frozen and, in the middle, but <laughs> yeah, but somehow it's still it's like six hundred so degrees. <laughs> yeah, it's like the soft but crunchy. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's like there's some type of science there it's that the I don't understand. Effect. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's, that's some high level math. But I, I mean, the hasty bake charcoal grill is. I mean, no matter which one you get. They're different sizes. Yep. You guys, I mean, you have all the one from basically what I consider a travel one yep. with your, the is that the, the Ranger? Uh, the there's two, one smaller. The, you have a 250 oh, and a Ranger. Yeah, we have one that's like the size of kind of, you know, like grandpa's metal toolbox. Yeah. And then we have the Ranger that's a little bit bigger, weighs about 50 pounds. The 250, uh, the competition one. Mm-hmm. Was that, that's, that's in between. the toolbox. Looking What's yeah, the difference between those two? Uh, the 250, for all intents and purposes, is just a mini grill. Okay. Uh, really you can kind of smoke on it, but there's really not a lot of room. 
Mm. Uh, you know, you might be able to get by with smoking like a small pork loin, but for the most part, it's made to a few you know, burgers. Go down to the lake, grill some burgers and dogs, maybe a couple steaks. Our steak comp- competition guys mm. love it because they're cooking one steak at a time. Mm. It's easy to throw on the back of the truck. You can empty um, the empty the embers out and cool down and yeah you open the you minutes. open the front door and you know with a, a hot glove pull that thing out and bang the embers out you know it's like a drawer almost mm. yeah, uh, and then it's out. in the back of your car in five minutes and it's cooled down so but, but yeah i mean to your point we have models that are as small enough that you could fit in an overhead on an, in an airplane and then we have you know backyard models that are you know the massive five or one six that you inches have. wide yeah like i have one at the house it's like five feet wide and you know it could feed 300 people it just yeah. depends on you know what i normally when people want to look at the grills and they say well what size should i get i'm like what's your normal and what's your big like how many people do you typically feed and how many people do you feed like when you entertain and you kind of just you know base on that because you can never go smaller right so like mark's already got his eye on the next size up i'm pretty sure I'm, i mean I once you get the full size be selling one. hey he he is gonna be selling one i'm telling you <laughs> <laughs> no once you get that More full size one, like if you buy the small one like you can't make any bigger right yeah. So I always kind of say like, hey, size up a little bit, unless you just never entertain. You know, if it's always you and your wife and you're a, you know, empty nesters, okay. But if you got people coming over, like you kind of want to have enough space to do all the fun things. Somehow it's just me and my wife, but yet I still. Yeah, but you cook thirty pound like raw fish, and it's <laughs> true. Yeah. The, you know, the neighbors like whole pineapples sticking. The out neighbors do like me, <laughs> so there is that. That helps. He told me he told me that Oklahoma Joe's was his favorite, so I had to cook him a brisket immediately the next day. Changes mind. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> well, I mean, the, he was converted. That is an, that is another topic that I wanted to just talk with you guys because I've asked you, Trent, several times. You know where to eat, where to eat, and there's a lot of places around town that yep. use Hasties. Yep. I mean, everybody there's, got, knows. there's good stuff that doesn't too. I mean. Yeah, we're not we're not that. Sele- I mean, we're pretty selective. We're selective. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, okay, Mister Yeti over here. I mean, All right. you know, he's like, look, you if you're resting if you're resting some meat, it's and it's it's not going to be good unless it's in a Yeti cooler. You know, so. look good, look good, play to. good, right? I'm telling you, step it up, man. You know, yeah. Not everybody can rock this look. Nice. Yeah, well, um, but I mean, th- there are a lot of places. Everybody knows about Burnco. Yep. Um, but I mean, there are a lot of other good places and what people, I mean, everybody always thinks like, oh, I'm going to go down to Texas and get some good barbecue, but Oklahoma has lots of really Oklahoma's got a different kind of barbecue, which, uh, it's a melting well, pot almost. Yeah, it is a melting pot because we're right here in the, between Texas and Kansas city, close St. Enough to St. Memphis Louis, too. close enough to Memphis. So you have this kind of weird, we talked about this on our podcast, I don't know, maybe a year ago. What it's is like, that what podcast? Is Oklahoma, if you don't mind. Uh, it's, so it's called fire and grain. A little plug. I like that little ding ding plug, <laughs> uh, but and I forget what episode it was. Uh, it's probably one of the first five or ten episodes. Uh, and the question was like, "What is Oklahoma barbecue? Mm-hmm. Like, can you actually pin it down?" And I think, hey, thanks, man, yeah. pouring some Jack Daniels single barrel here. Yeah, um, I I think Oklahoma barbecue is probably beef. Uh, it could be pork, but it's probably beef. It's a sauced beef, which is like Texas is like no. You know, uh, Kansas City, like you need more sauce on. So it's a weird melting pot of we have sweet. It's almost a spicier so- sweet, too. Yeah, like because Texas is that no sweet, sense. right? It's all salt, pepper, you know, vinegar sauces, if you use anything like that. Um, Kansas City's all super sweet. So I think we're a, we're a heavy sauce here. But we also appreciate like the salt and pepper, and we like the dry rub on things. So it's kind of a weird melting pot. So also, to the places that are around here, like they they cater to a really kind of diverse you know mm-hmm. group of, of barbecue fans. I think pecan is a big thing in this 
and with Okies too, yeah. that'll differentiate them from uh, other other regions, and it's kind of a nice mild. So that's another in between everything. Yeah, in my opinion. You're talking about flavor of wood. Yeah, the wood that's smoked with because Texans love the post oak and mesquite, and mesquites. Well, it can get rough in the in the hands of the wrong person. That's for sure. Flavor wood with barbecue, you know, traditionally is the styles of barbecue around the country are formed around what kind of wood is available at the time. I guess Texas is a lot of open pit. So, with the so Texas is open pit, so you get a lot of oak, you can get a lot of mesquite. That's what's in Texas. Yeah, you go North Carolina. Mean? What does open pit mean? Uh, have you ever seen Salt Lake? You know, the famous place where it's just a big, literally an open pit, and they have the food on there, and all the smoke and heat goes up. There's no hood or doors or anything. Okay. Yeah. Now a lot of that stuff is for show, but some I mean, of it's cowboy they, style kind of cook. Yeah, and a lot of Texas too, like traditional Texas barbecue, is not what we think of it as today. So right now, when you say Texas barbecue, most people think of like Aaron Franklin Franklin barbecue, of, right? Yeah, like beef. big old thousand gallon offset barbecue pits. You know, kind of the standard existential barbecue pit. You know, picture that you have in your mind. Probably more like snows though, isn't it? So original Texas barbecue, and like my family's from the Waco area, which is like you know sent. The definition of Central Texas, um, and whole, that whole area—a barbecue pit up until you know semi-recently was a metal box, and you had a hole cut in the floor, like the, one of the sidewalls of the metal box, mm-hmm. and you would shovel coals in, like you would burn wood down to kind of coals and, and in chunks burn of wood. Barrel. In a, in a burn barrel or even there on the side of the pit, and you kind of shovel it in. And then you had a door on the pit, but it was literally just a box with a, a top on the lid, and you'd open up that lid, and you'd put all the meat on a piece of expanded metal inside. If you were fancy, you had pulleys to do it, but right. not um, a lot of places. But it was literally just a metal box with coals in it, and that's where you cook your barbecue. Uh, and it was kind of your fire was a little offset from the meat, so you didn't get fully direct. But you had some hot and cold zones, and, they, I mean, really primal. You know, put, it's, a, it's literally some, a steel box. Put some extra coals under the bigger cuts, like hams and shoulders on the on whole hogs. Well, and like Texas doesn't even really do whole it, hogs. It's, it's beef. But it's yeah. all you know. It's all big cuts of beef. You know, if you, you might ribs. find ribs every now and then in Texas, sausage. you never find pulled pork. A lot of sausage. Yeah, a lot of good sausage because you get that Czech influence. You know, so Central Hill Texas Hill is a lot country. of German Czech. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like even going out to North Carolina, back to the wood conversation. You know, North Carolina is all whole hog, but it's hickory country. So the flavor profile you get on on whole hog is is hickory. And you come over here to Memphis and you kind of get that blend. And then you get into Oklahoma and you have a lot of pecan, a lot of oak. Um, Hickory, again, you know, kind of near Kansas, um, you know, you get more hickory there. So really, uh, Georgia... You know, you get a lot of hardwoods down yep. in Georgia. So when you look at regional styles of barbecue across the country, their flavor profile and even the, the protein that they're cooking comes from what's there locally. So it's the trees they cut down locally. Yep. It's the animals they raise. You know, Texas and Oklahoma, we're a cattle country, so we're mm-hmm. heavy beef. You know, you get up into Illinois and Iowa and stuff like that. Pork. They cook barbecue up there. It's all pork. It's all, all, pork. all pig farms. Yep. Yeah. So it's oh, pretty, I mean, pretty interesting. I like up north. Just just order something else anyway. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not, not uh, a fan of Yankee barbecue. Maybe some <laughs> maybe some beer brats, like a you know beer cheese dip, something like that. Yeah. Well, we got a a, Pizza. a big sausage guy here in Oklahoma that is from up north, right? Craig. Craig. Yeah. Yeah. So Craig was the uh, for years. So he came down. Uh, we had him on our podcast a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. He came down and kind of told his story and came down from the UP. The UP with um, his seventy six Bolins. Yeah, man. Uh, Snowblower. And uh, was doing some stuff down here. Uh, started the uh, meat market program at Burnco. 
for a number of years. And he, yeah, he's responsible for all that that cool stuff that you see in the case with the the lava locks. Yeah, and so all the links, the links, and the fatty, and the, all the all that stuff. You know, I think the fatty was an Adam Myers oh, recipe. Um, all the other stuff, but like all the sausages and everything he made. Sausages. You know, he did one for us for Bixby Barbecue and Blues that one year with green chili that was just phenomenal. Yeah, Bixby was on uh, was a Cinco de Mayo turn-in day was the competition, and we did a uh, a green chili and queso fresco. Mm. Uh, chorizo based sausage. We didn't place, but it was a really good sausage. I got, I got to be lucky to be taste testing that process throughout, but yeah, everybody liked it, but it was too spicy for, yeah. for some. But yes, yeah, so, really but Craig ran that program for a number of years. He actually just recently opened his own place called Sausage Brothers, up in uh, fun name, serious sausage, uh, <laughs> up in up in Skytook, America, uh, north of Tulsa, not far from our other buddy. Adam Green at yep. Max Barbecue. Yeah, that's what. Uh, so you, I mean, you've got a lot of good uh, championship winning barbecue oh, sure. contest people here within locally in the Tulsa drive, area. Within twenty minutes, there's half a dozen that are that will just blow your mind. The food's so good. I, I would venture. To, I don't think Maybe I'm wrong. I'm saying this. I bet you sixty to seventy percent of the most award winning like competition barbecue cooks in the country live in Oklahoma. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like Keep even it, though the KCBS, like they compete all over the country, but I guarantee you, the majority of them, more than half of them, live here in Oklahoma. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's teams that you maybe wouldn't know are here, but they're guys from here. And then David Busca, which is Butcher Barbecue in uh, was it well, Wellston. Wellston? Have you heard of that place? Mm, no, he's he's Wellston, going, Oklahoma. Yeah, it's going yeah, towards man, right off going the towards Oklahoma hike. City. Mm-mm. Close. Oh to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so you know where the old mall got? Mm-hmm. You know, right? That's where literally right over there. Oh, and then uh, they do pops. their own sauce and rubs too. They, oh yeah. yeah, I mean yeah. he does everything. They have the apple orchard that my yeah. wife. Oh, likes. that's he, good stuff. He, yeah, it's really good. He won uh, what Jack Daniels Invitational, oh, Memphis in May. I mean every every one of the biggest competitions you could think of. And then the year we were out at the first year out at Bixby Barbecue and Blues competing against him, he turned in two perfect scores. Yeah. So that's that's the level of. I mean, and there's and then there's Donnie Teal at Buffalo's and Sperry. I mean that guy is the winningest guy you've never heard of probably uh, most people on the trail have heard of him yeah i mean but you know the, just the, 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 the guy, common person the guy the like guy's barbecue you know you tell them buffalo's out in sperry and they're going the place with the picnic this table? is this and is what's going, yeah. so funny so <laughs> if you look at donnie teal's record so donnie teal's lives up in sperry uh he's a tulsa guy you know been around forever Learned how to barbecue from Mike McMillan, who started Max up in Skytip. Borrowed, Max, borrowed yeah. Mike's trailer for his first competition, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, if you look at KCBS standings, Always Donnie there. is like one of the top cooks in KCBS. And what does he do for a living? He's got a little 18-foot barbecue trailer parked in the middle of nowhere, Sperry, Oklahoma, with, you know, 1,800 people in the town and two picnic benches out front. Oh, he's got two now? I think he might have two. <laughs> if not, it's, <laughs> Moved your, it's your tailgate, right? I mean, that was kind of the allure of it. You just sit with someone at the uh, the picnic table when you got there. But, I mean, you don't, you don't realize, you know, you have someone of that caliber cooking barbecue out of a little trailer. But, like, that's Oklahoma. Right. Well, then, you, you know, know uh, boss, we're, we're resilient off. folk. Yeah, we are. Well, and, and it's no flash, right? No, it's just no. like, hey, if you want to cook barbecue, you can cook barbecue. You know, same thing with Max. Skytook is a town of like 7,000 people. 
Everybody and, knows Adam Green, though. Everyone knows Adam Green and Max, and Max is you know constantly one of the top-rated barbecue places in Oklahoma. And it's not some big, flashy place in Oklahoma City with you know tall ceilings and you know ten thousand square feet of space. It's a little metal building in Sky Took America. Some of us even go take our own beer from the walk-ins when we go. <laughs> is this one of those somebody sitting at this table? Could be. <laughs> no, look at me, man. I pay for my stuff. <laughs> oh, we pay for it, but. Eventually, that's just—I mean—that's just the you got a running tab up there. It's the kind of—it's like the family feel that you get up there with that guy. That there's, you know, he's not too good for you to come back and look at the smokers that they're cooking in and walk around a little bit, kick the tires, and he's just a good guy. But I mean, but his food is just consistent day in day out. So he has some of the best stuff. And Nick lives closer than me, and half the time those specials are gone by the time I get up there. Yeah, man. There's there's people that'll drive fifty miles for lunch. Well, that that's that's just one place. Yeah, that's just one. And you told me about the lady out in, um, was that Sepulpa? Boss Hog. Yeah. That, see, that's another guy who, competition-wise. He cooks on a hasty, doesn't he? Sometimes? Yeah, he cooks his ribs on uh, Fiesta out there, yeah. One of the hasty bake models. He was a big competition guy and killed it on, like, the, the Texas circuit, I believe. And his specialty was the smoked salami that he would kill it with out there. Right. I know, and I made about that same face that you just made the kind of questioning. I know, that's it. what I said, too. I that, about apparently, we need to go down there and have lunch. Well, I've never I, eaten there yet. I I was, was, me neither. We I tried was, to go on Bixby, and they were closed. Yeah, he was competing out there. Yeah, so I was told, you know, get the salami. And so, I, yeah, throw me a quarter pound of salami on there. And she so she threw a little bit more on there. And, I I mean, it was some of is the it best. Like a, is it a dry salami, or when you cook it, is it? It's more of like a sausage, the way they make it. But, I mean, it's still super salami. Super they have, they have a sandwich with the salami, brisket, and bologna on it, the boss hog, and some sort of sauce. And it is awesome, but you will need a nap within easily within an hour. Right. But, yeah, I mean, it's just that's just another guy that used to kill it on the competition in a different state and came here and no no, no flash, no nothing. And, you know, the lady bringing you cake balls or whatever she's got making for dessert that day when you're done eating. Make sure you had a – make sure your stomach's full. That's so funny. I love it. Uh, well, I'm so one of my friends who I recently had, uh, he was one of our first five guests that I had on my, it was his first competition mm-hmm. out there at Bixby. And he's like, look, there is a difference between the barbecue that you're going to serve to fr- family and friends and competition barbecue. 100%. Competition. Why, is why is it so much different? And you're, what is the difference? You're, you're competing against a standard almost. And so think of it almost like a, <laughs> it's kind of a weird, uh, comparison but like a dog show you know those dogs are competing against a standard that they're set against so kcbs is a usually a flavor profile that these judges are looking for and a lot of these professionals will nail it down through a series of you know competitions or whatever and once they get that flavor profile nailed down they'll they'll do it throughout their their competition and it's usually sweet sweet Maybe a little more sweet, would you say? Yeah, it's very sweet. It's really sweet, but you want to get all your flavor in in one bite. You're not eating a, a plate of ribs where you're going to have go back for four ribs and some other stuff. You know, those judges, they get one thing, so you want to hit them with everything at once. And it was it's it's hard for some people to to cook that way. Yeah, you don't I think, eat that way. I think a lot of times people think that competition barbecue translates into the backyard, or if you're a great backyard cook, that you're going to be a good competition cook. And it's really, I mean, two completely different apples to know. oranges. Uh, and like you said, with competition barbecue, you're going up against 50, 60, maybe 80 teams, right? And you got tables of judges lined up, and every one of them are going to take one bite of your food. 
So you have to hit them with every single thing they want. They want the sweet. They want the spice. They want the sauce. They want everything mm-hmm. uh, because you have to try to impress them with that flavor. In the backyard, like, you're going to eat, you know, three, four, five ribs. You know, you're not going to take one bite of ribs. And you're maybe going to put something kind of cool in your ribs. That's your secret deal. You yeah, know? Some, something different. Like, like so, a hot sauce for a binder maybe, you know, or something like that. But you have to have a – for competition, and, you know, we'll, we rag on competition all the time, not – in, in a bad way, just, you know, it, to the backyard cook competition sometimes just seems crazy. Uh, but you have crazy. to have some kind of a standard. Like, if you're going to judge fairly, uh, everyone has to know what the criteria is and have to, you know, chase after that criteria 110%. So KCBS has put out a certain criteria. That's that standard. That, that's the of... standard that they have to, that you really want to meet. And then people you know chase after that to, to the best of their abilities and what's happened over the years is as people meet and exceed that criteria it sets a new standard so judges coming in are you know faced with one standard but three or four years down the line you know one of the standards would be you know normally the ribs that score highest are the ribs that are a little bit sweeter yep so then why wouldn't you want to make them sweeter and even more sweeter and at some point like it takes it to the nth degree and then when everyone's doing that because Someone everyone sees sweet ribs are hitting and you know and winning that everyone wants to take it to the next level. So it, in one way, the standard's a good thing, you know, because it, it at least ensures a level playing field. Yeah. And another way, a standard's a really bad thing because what it's done is it's separated competition barbecue from backyard barbecue so much that it's not even recognizable. So, like, when we would go, and I, I, I ran KCBS Trail for a number of years and, and gave it up a handful of years ago, but when we would go, you know, chase points, I would try one bite of the barbecue I was turning in, and I wouldn't even bring it home. Like, I put it out on the table. If anybody's walking by, they could have it. And then I'd take the rest of it, yep. hundreds of dollars worth of brisket, and I'd throw it away. Because I'm not going to sit there and eat a plate of that brisket. It's going to make me sick. It's, mm-hmm. you know, injected with, you know, beef broth and phosphates. consomme and phosphates and super tender and super sweet and super peppery. And extra for fat a bite, it's good. But, yeah, it's just not what I want to eat at home. So there is a really big separation between competition guys and backyard guys. Now, the thing that kind of makes the correlation between the two is that backyard guys want to feel like they're pro, right? Yeah. You want to feel like, hey, I can run with the big dogs. So a lot of times, these backyard shiny, guys shiny are... rib. You know? Yeah, they're, I mean, they're they're chasing those beautiful, you know, red-colored ribs with shine on them, or they're chasing, you know, the amazing flavor profile of injected briskets and stuff yeah. like Let that. Let me tell you what's on it in it, and then we'll see if you like yeah, right. it. Right. <laughs> So, uh, so, I mean, that being said, you know, some like you, you mentioned Butcher Stand uh, down in Wellston uh, and also Clark Crew Barbecue down in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. City. Good stuff there. They're both, you know, uh, Butcher Stand is actually ran by Levi Bosco, who's Dave's son. Levi uses all his dad's products. He's his pellet And cooks girl. his, he's a pellet guy. But um, it is but made, in phenomenal, made in Oklahoma. I mean, phenomenal product, though. Uh, Re- I mean, cook, I, I, cook so I ate there about. Ponca City. Yeah, I ate there about two or three weeks ago. It's good stuff. Every single thing I had was well executed. Like, perfect bite on stuff, perfect texture, flavor was killer. I mean, he did a really good job. But the guy could go out and do it on a hasty baker and offset if he totally wanted could. to with his eyes closed. But those guys are people who cook, even in their restaurants, they cook competition style in their restaurants. And you'll leave that restaurant, like, overwhelmed with flavor because that's competition style, um, which isn't a bad thing. It's just you can't eat barbecue like that every day. Right. Like, I, when I'm cooking ribs at home, man, like, I'm almost grilling them. 
Like I'm cooking them 350 degrees for like two and a half hours. I'm getting a bark on them. So I'm not injecting. I'm not slathering. Yeah. I'm not doing all this stuff because when I eat a rib, like I want it to be more steaky. Like I want to have a little bit of tear on it. I want to have that black pepper come through. And uh, but that's backyard style as opposed to. You know, and then, barbecue. you know, then there's the other side of it that a lot of people like that sweet, but then you see people line up for Aaron Franklin for Salt and seven, eight hours. And yeah, he's salt and pepper. Well, maybe I'll put some paprika in there for some color on the ribs, but there's no secret there. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what it is. It's just backyard barbecue that's done way better than 99.99% of people can do. Also, he sources the best ingredients in probably North America for his restaurant. So that also helps. That's a big well, he's got a big. I mean, because there's, he, there's I've, a big issue to, with the amount of briskets that he's putting out too. I mean, he, that's that's a, so I mean, sources, just on the yeah. just on the environmental side well, of it. So I mean, he, he's hitting. He's he's conscious of that too, and he actually talks about it a little bit. And his whole thing is he wants his cows to have one bad day their whole life. Right. So, you know, if you think about it, it's like, do you want a guy that goes through? I mean, what is it like eighty thousand pounds of brisket a year that he does? Like a hundred and thirty. He does like a hundred between one hundred and ten and one hundred and thirty briskets a day. So yeah. you're talking fifty to sixty cows. So that's a day. day. And so how many April. days is he open? Uh, three days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. No, he's open all week. Oh, he is. Uh, I think, I think well, not any, on Mondays. And he ships, so you can buy his stuff. And I mean, you're, you're talking yeah, about I mean, crazy. Yeah, but, how many? How many? So, I mean, so he talked about it, you know, and he's, you know, he's not anti-animal by any means, and he's not a PETA guy, but he says he wants his cows to have one bad day, and a big part of his, uh, what he does is he goes to these farms and inspects them, or, you know, sent, at least once. He says it go at least one time, and, you know, he's got a high level of expectation of the, uh, how his animals are treated and the level that he gets back from them is, in return, very, very, very high. Well, I mean, I, and it's, it's something like twenty six to thirty something farms across the Midwest, and I think even Canada. That he, uh, I don't know if he goes to Canada anymore. Bird, surely, bird surely that can't be sustainable over a massive period of time. I mean, I, I, well, I think what the he good thing about for, well, no, from a from an agricultural standpoint, you know, the good thing is you know cows are ready for market. You know, within twelve eighteen months of yeah. you know, being done. So there is there's some built in sustainability in that. But the problem is is that when one cut of meat overtakes everything else, you know, yeah. you take. You take two briskets off a cow. Mm-hmm. So he, like we said, you know, he's, you know, taking out 50 to 70 cows a day. Yeah. Like someone's got to buy the rest of those cuts for that market to be sustainable. Of course, he does beef ribs and sausage a little bit too. But, yeah. I mean, there, there's but some, yeah. but, but you I mean, you're right. And, the, and the other the problem rest. too is that, you know, Franklin 10, 15 years ago, Franklin was a conundrum. Like he was, no one understood how he got so good, you know, how he was pumping this. Now you got barbecue restaurants all over Tol- or all over Oklahoma. I can't talk. All over Texas. Mm-hmm. That, that's their standard. Yeah. Is is cooking that high end, you know, upper choice or I'm sorry, upper prime, you know, meat that Franklin's, you know, normally pumping out. You got so you have a you are creating a problem. You really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the market has to correct that problem. Other people have to be buying cuts from those producers. Um, I mean, we we talk about this on our podcast, Fire and Grain, all the time. Like at some point, we as consumers also have to say, I think I'm going to cut back on my beef a little bit, and I'm going to yeah. you know grill some vegetables or something, because I think you do have to be responsible in the way that we handle this barbecue. Right now, is the craft barbecue scene is as big as it's ever been. I don't think it's going to stay that way, uh, but it is right now. It's, uh, it's not fully sustainable, you know, over the next 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. And and that's and that speaks another thing to the to the versatility of an actual hasty pick. I mean, I'm sure other ones can do it 
It's not as easy, maybe. Yeah, it's, but it's not as easy to cook some asparagus in your thousand gallon offset smoker. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it takes well, two hours to get it to temp. You know, it's so funny because I had another buddy that was there. He he does competitions all the time, and he's right. like, "Hey, she picks on a smoker." I'm like, and then I, and then I look at you know when they shared the standings and reports, and I'm like. Man, I'm I don't sure know. about that. I don't know, man. <laughs> Some of these, what's, what's like, I want to look at like sixty percent of these people use the hasty. Like, I'll tell you, as someone who would have held that same view ten years ago, like, hey, Spick's not a smoker. It's a backyard grill. I'm sure it's a great grill. But I still run into people that think that, though. You know, like, man, that's I, not a smoker. I can pump out, and and. So outside of running Hasty Bake, like I own a catering company and a barbecue school that does seminars and classes all the time. And so we teach people how to make briskets. You know, I get, and a lot of my style, you know, family from Texas, like I cook Central Texas style barbecue and I'm doing it. Uh, I will pump out Central Texas briskets that will be as good or better than anything I can put on my offset. And I can tell you that unbiasedly because I still have an offset. Right. Like if I'm doing a catering where a, I need to cook 50 beauty. briskets, like I, I'll do it. That's a, it's a sweet cooker. Oh man, I, I love it. It's a great cooker, but I can get that same flavor profile that same cook on my hasty bake you just have to learn i mean any any grill any product you just got to learn it right Mm -hmm. well in in going into you're talking about sustainability for things like that you know cooking different things uh just last night wife and i made pizza yeah i know that that's another interesting thing you know you you still get you still get the smoke but you know what 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 high-end italian place isn't cooking on a hardwood charcoal fired oven yeah so when you start to think about it it's the same thing just not some big fancy brick looking thing you finish it under the coals at what thousand degrees bubble that cheese up and you still get that little bit of flavor that you know i'm talking about that comes from the smoker part of it just all that delicious smoke fat flavor that's already in there yeah it just seems it just seems like there's so i mean even if you go on the hasty bake website and you look at the recipes there's there's so many recipes on that yeah it's the the amount of avenues that you can go is just wild. Yeah. One of, one of my favorites was another of our ambassadors, uh, Sean Sean Walker, and um, he does this one. It's a uh, bananas foster. Yeah, I a saw bana- that. A bananas foster on a grill. I mean, come yeah. on, it's so good. <laughs> you know, at, at some point, um, and I tell people this all the time: you can cook any kind of barbecue you want on almost any kind of cooker. Really, I mean, you can go buy hundred and fifty dollar Weber kettle performer and cook some really good barbecue on it. It's a good grill. There's nothing wrong with that. But yep. but what it comes down to is when you step up to something like a Hasty Bake or like other grills that are you know, – because Hasty Bake's a high-end grill. You yeah. know, it, there's, it, I don't want to, you know – piss on anybody who you know can't afford it it's just it's an expensive grill it's a high-end grill yeah when you get to the point in your life where that hobby consumes that amount of time in your life like you want something that's nicer and that's when you you know end up you know swinging for a hasty bake Uh, but realistically all it does is it makes your job a lot easier and it makes the number of things you can do on that product better it's like a swiss army knife almost yeah i mean really like can you go 120 miles an hour in a kia rio Sure. Do you want? It's to? going to take you ten minutes. No. You know, no. Yeah. Somebody it's going to take you ten no. minutes to get there. Let's talk about stopping. Right. It, you're going to be <laughs> bouncing all over the road. You're going to be nervous as heck. But you could do it. But if I gave you a Lamborghini and said go up to 120, you're like, I'll yeah. be back in five seconds. Yeah, that's right? it. Right. So what you've done is you've taken a tool that was designed to go 120, 
and it's you know the luxury's there the you know the suspension's there the motor's there the security's there like built into that car mm-hmm. is the ability to do a lot more things than you can do in a Kia Rio. Now you can do them in a Kia Rio. You just don't want to because it makes it harder. Same thing with a grill. Like any grill that you have in your backyard, you can cook pizza on, you can smoke a brisket on, sure. you can do that. It's just how difficult does it make it and how much time do you spend, you know, counterbalancing yeah. the the difficulty you're having with it. Yep. Uh, you know, guys go out there and they buy these Traeger pellet grills. You know, so today we're so today's Saturday the fifteenth. I don't know when this will air. Uh, today is what Traeger dubs Traeger Day. With Monday, it, it, Monday the seventeenth. Oh, you're quick. You got a nice turnaround. So no, by the time you guys it. listen to this, two days ago was was National Traeger Day. It was just today. That was a thing. Oh, that's a thing. It, according to Traeger Marketing, it's a thing. <laughs> uh, which that's a whole nother like. That, don't don't get like me going a, down that road. Is that like a set your Wi-Fi to turn your grill on day or yeah. something? But but what Traeger does is they they those grills. If you've ever picked one up or felt one, they're made out of pot metal. They all come out of China. You know, the whole grill weighs like 110 pounds. Uh, and the, what they'll do is they don't hold heat for crap. So it's got a blower that mess, you know, blows the heat around, trying to keep as much heat in there as possible, constantly generating more heat to try to keep it in there. And then they'll sell you like a welding blanket that's like cut out to fit their grill. You can like lay over the top of your grill to like insulate your grill. Mm-hmm. So what's happened for, is people are like, this grill doesn't, isn't insulated for crap. Like it won't hold 70. the heat. Well, we'll sell you a product that will make it hold the heat. Mm-hmm. So when you buy, a, in my mind, a subpar grill, uh, you have to do things like, Buy a custom welding blanket to sit on top of your grill to get it to hold the heat. And they don't sell them cheap. No. No, Because they they got a logo on them. Yeah. (laughs) No, and then uh, we actually had a guy that uh, I guess works back in that shop came and bought a a truck from us. And uh, I just learned literally like a month ago that you guys do fabrication for so many other things. But, I mean, you guys, I mean, that's the main thing. You know, obviously, you know. I love it. I, I I got a hasty. Love it. But the thing that turned me onto it was is and the reason I was like, oh, they need to come on the podcast. It's local. Yeah. It's made here. It's been yeah. here for over fifty. Well, over fifty. Seventy five. Seventy five years. Eighteen forty eight. Yeah. Eighteen forty eight. Nineteen. All right. Don't give me scoot an extra hundred years. Scoot that barrel away from uh, Trent. There. <laughs> move some of this liquor away. Eighteen forty eight. Um, Christopher Col- were, Christopher yeah. Columbus actually, I think Plymouth Rock. Uh, he didn't pass history. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we had the same class. Yeah, too. I took I took AP history too. That's scary. I know. No, but we are. Yeah, so we're manufactured hundred uh, percent right here in Tulsa. Um, so all the steel we buy is American steel. It's not coming over from China. Uh, the parts we're buying are American parts. The guys customer we employ are, are, you know, yeah. Tulsa Tulsa guys. Customer sports all here. I mean, it's it's a big small company. You know, we run about 60, 70 people right now, uh, and we we have the factory, the warehouse behind us. Uh, so if you come in and you walk the showroom, you'll see all the models. But what's happening in the building that's like fifty times the size of the showroom behind is a big Magic. factory with lasers and brakes and folders and welding bays and spot welding and assembles and, and shipping. I mean, it's, uh, you ever got some time, man? Come, I'll walk you through the factory. I'm there. Um, I'm, my wife tells me I need to stop going so much. Right. Well, next time well, you're in, I'll she's we'll go in the back. Wrong. I'll put a hard hat on you, and we'll walk it. You can tell her that I said that yeah. she's wrong. Yeah, Trent's there five times a week. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because when I'm there, I never see him. And then he says that he's just sitting in your yeah. office. Yeah, that or he's like, was there five minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it helps that I work down the street. So. Yeah, right. But, no, it's we're, we're made right here in Tulsa. You know, I mean, every every 
grill that goes out the door came in as a piece of metal you know big old sheet of metal you know between it 18 down to 12 gauge depending on what you're buying and what part it is and it gets it gets cut and formed and and welded and assembled and then goes out the door as an american product so it's really it's one of those tulsa success stories you know that started back just after the war you know grant hastings started the company in 48 because he before the war he'd been going to barbecue restaurants in town and he wanted when he came back from the war he cooked ribs while he was overseas and when he came back from the war he didn't want to have to go out to a barbecue restaurant he said i want to be able to cook the kind of ribs i eat at the restaurant in the backyard so he you know went and had a couple models fabbed up and people liked him and they developed and they moved on and he bought a metal shop and did it himself and then at some point you know 25 30 years ago uh the current owner rich alexander who bought it from grand hastings um he opened up. We had a powder coat facility. Powder coat facility burned down, as they do. Uh, and in in order to kind of diversify the business a little bit, we're already doing metal fab. We might as well open up a metal fab shop. So all the the out of all the energy we can expend, you know, a, a chunk of it got devoted to metal fab. And as much as the grill space, you know, mm-hmm. needs, that they'll take up that. And then if they got twenty percent more capacity left, that's they'll pump his, fab products out. So that's a little his background there too. Yeah, he was Ford, he's an Ford engineer. Glass, he worked at Ford yeah. Glass our owner um but realistically what happens is we got guys in the marine and the oil and gas uh you know and those type of industries that need you know parts formed cut laser cut all that kind of stuff and they come to us for those parts and as much as we have the capacity to do we we fab parts out for other you know businesses Uh, because using big cnc machines and stuff Uh, it's all yeah it's all lasers um uh big fancy we got a big fancy laser bay lasers um, lasers yeah it's pretty cool uh, my dad used to sell carbide milling cutters yeah so yeah it's uh i mean we're probably one of the uh most advanced shops in tulsa uh, as far as what the capacity that we have and the the capabilities that we can do um but we, we devote a lot. I mean, there's not a lot of people who grill companies. There's not a lot of grill companies in the country, honestly, because most of them shipped out to China years ago. Because mm-hmm. China, you know, they put in a PO in China and say, "Hey, I need thirty thousand units shipped sure. to Lowe's," and yeah, no problem. We'll have it on a here's, boat tomorrow. Here's our mystery metal that we'll make it out of too. Yeah. But here, you know, it's all laser cuts. So there's not a lot of grill companies in the country that can say they have a shop that has the capability we have. But and all the other ones are usually hand built, hand welded. You know, you order, yeah, order fab, one, well order one, it'll be eight weeks, and you're gonna you're gonna spend some money on it too. Yeah. Right. That's not necessarily better quality, but well, and it's it's different. You know, there's in the world that we live in in high end grills. There's a couple things you have high end grills that are for the most part made overseas. But they're using good, you know, material products. And I'm talking about, like, the, um, you know, the Blaze grills and the things like that. Yeah. You know, they're using nice 304 stainless, um, you know, building a good product. But it's an expensive high-end product. You come back to the United States, grill. and for the most part, you have welding shops that are making everything out of plate steel, uh, which is fine. Good high-end grills, very yeah. heavy. And then you have a few people like us that are pumping grills out, American-made grills, at the rate that a factory is pumping them out. Now, everything's hand-done here. You know, yeah. other, it's laser cut but everything's handled by hand you know there's no you know assembly factory assembly lines with you know robots going crazy it's a it's a a sight to see yeah it's it's really neat man well i'm i i'm interested and i know that like you know here in oklahoma we really never shut down yeah right but i mean we saw a lot of big things over the last over the last year with the pandemic and everything you know we saw people getting (laughs) 
Yeah, people transcend his whiskey again. Yeah, <laughs> we saw uh, we saw people you know getting into gardening and, and yeah. into construction. Not so much anymore with lumber, but you know uh, <laughs> we scared. saw you know people with the uh, you know, fitness and then also with cooking. Yeah. Like fitness how brisket in my mouth, more fitting, like it. fitting all this meat. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did you did you guys go through any problems with uh, so our doing biggest whole thing? Our, our demand is is at a record high, and and that's across the board. Everybody that I talk to, I'm friends with so many people in our industry across the country. Everybody's at home, you know. And I talk to yeah. you know the head of these charcoal companies and the head of these you know accessory companies and other grill companies you know that we're friends with, and every one of us has had a banner year as far as demand goes because everyone's staying home they're they're cooking because they're not trusting going out in restaurants mm-hmm. um they have found new hobbies they took all the money they were going to put into other things hi selfie picture oh, yeah. we're taking pictures right. here in the studio well, you keep talking um, i just want to do that. but they're taking uh they've taken the money they're going to devote to vacations and travel and all the other stuff and they're like well i guess if i'm hanging out at the house i'm gonna you know expand my outdoor living area or i'm gonna buy a new grill yeah. or whatever so from that perspective we've had a killer year uh Supply chain has been our biggest problem. Yeah. Keep so up, and now steel is going up. You know, steel is probably up two fifty, almost three hundred percent of what it was six months ago. Fun. So that's been difficult for us because you know you have to you you have to eat price increases as much as possible until you just can't eat them anymore, mm-hmm. and then you have to pass on you know a fraction of it to the customer. So realistically, you know, grills that um, kind of the easiest way to kind of put it. it if I had, I, we took a hundred hundred dollar price increase on most of our grills about two months ago. Uh, we've been eating about a four hundred dollar price increase, mm. and it, and would not pass it on, would not pass it on. Finally, like we got to do something, got to do a little bit, and who knows when that's going to come down and everything else. So I mean, we hate doing that, but at the same time, this is the world we live in now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it is what it is. But luckily, we can still, for the most part, right now, get the material. Um, so we're we're still continuing to pump them out, and the demand's still there, which is good. Mm-hmm. We've seen, I mean, a, a exponential increase though, and in, even in Hasty Bake owners over the last year, um, you know, our sales were up forty percent, uh, and it's because people are discovering that hey, I kind of like this hanging at home thing. I kind of like cooking at home. I kind of like this new hobby. Well, yeah, and I can cook stuff, not just barbecue, on this too. Yeah, my right. wife, my wife likes it. My kids like it. The neighbors like it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of different things, but I mean, you guys were running classes. You guys yep. are starting back up the class yep. mm-hmm. classes, and of course, those are generally based off of a hasty bake. Yeah, of course. Um, but we we usually reiterate that you can do it on anything. We've had people in classes. I mean, probably every class you would say there's at least one person that doesn't have one. Would you say? Um, yeah, not, maybe not. It's kind of a it. for us too. It's kind of a weird dynamic because we own Hasty Bake, but we also own the grill store. So you have a lot of people who Hasty Bake, quote unquote, puts on these classes. But you have a lot of people who are grill owners, and they just want to come to a cooking class. Mm-hmm. They may have a yoder or yeah. Know, so like our like ambassadors, like you know, Trenton ambassador, when he does a class, it's he's going to be cooking on a hasty bake in that class because that's who we are. But he's also going to say, hey, if you're not cooking on this grill, this is how you translate it to yeah. you know whatever. So last year or not last year, two years ago when we were actually running classes, I know it's crazy. Um, you know, we did probably 14 classes a year. You know, so more than one a month. And they're a ton of fun. And they're a ton of fun. You get about 20, 25 people in there. There's samples and beer and all the other kind of fun things. We're looking forward to bringing that it's back a, again. It's a backyard cooking environment where yeah. you get to learn everything. Well, it's a really nice patio. I think you guys do that right there on yeah, that patio. On yep. the patio, yeah. yeah and, and you guys also at the grill store, you guys do 
outdoor kitchens and stuff like that. Yeah, so we we don't necessarily build the kitchen itself, although we have a lot of contractors uh, that we work with and have worked with over the years that are unbelievable. So if you're looking for a contractor coming to the store, I'll give you some paperwork on on local guys that um, that do really well. I, I just built mine out of my house uh, we using a local guy. I do. Um, you do. You come come by and take a look at mine, and uh, it'll break you. Oh. Got a, yeah, <laughs> I got I got some other I got some other expenses coming up, so it's gonna be a bit. But yeah, like we we sell doors and drawers and all the other grills and everything else. You know, flat tops and the things you want on your patio. Anything you didn't think you knew you wanted. Yeah, I'm sure I can find some. I oh, go yeah. in there every time and I find something more I, will, than what I want. We will show you something to spend your money on. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yes. <laughs> I, like you know, to, I like to think of it as you a get one more, you get 15% off rubs. I was oh. like, all right, well, I switched my arm here, man. Well, <laughs> well you, you know you know what's funny is, is we all like to experiment with rubs. So I got a million rubs on the counter, you know, mm-hmm. in, the, in the cabinet. And about every six or eight months, like I go through and clear out the ones I haven't used and just give them away to people to experiment with. But, uh, yeah, we think three or four months ago we started doing this mix and match thing where it's fifteen percent off if you buy four bottles of rub, and we've doubled our rub sales. Yeah, uh, but w- but what more. I love about it is it's encouraged people to experiment because yeah. I'll have people come in and they're like, "Man, I never in a you know million years would have thought I'd try a Cajun rub on this or I'd try an Asian yep. rub on that." Yep. But now I try it and I love it. So rubs are like the easiest way to get people to experiment because it's a completely different flavor than they're ever used to. Like you can take your standard you know beef pork or uh, uh, pork chop. And put an Asian rub on it, mm. and it doesn't taste like a barbecue pork chop anymore. And it's, like, it's people it's never amazing. would have thought about it. And all it is is something you shook on that pork chop, and you cooked it the same way you've always cooked it. Yep. Yeah. So it's just kind of a fun way for people to experiment. A low cost entry, if you will. I guess I got an idea for tomorrow. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, um, Mark, I mean, Mark's been learning too that you can cut the cut the cut certain rubs with other ones and layering and all, oh, layering. all of oh, that the know. best thing i found is that boar's night out spicy oh white you love lightning. that don't you oh, i love it, it. was it you that and the, and the heart, hardcore heart of our black, yeah, black. You're hooked on that. i love it man i tell you what i mean it is so good yeah i mean there, i don't know what so it is good options out there and that's that's another no, thing about I don't the need store them. is you know you can't go to Reese's or walmart you can go get some good like decent seasonings there but you know telling how old it is or Really, what's it going to taste like? Where you can go there, taste everything. Racers has gotten a lot better. Walmart yeah. for sure. But so here's the funny thing, though, is most people, and I, I didn't realize this until I started teaching. We, like I said, we own Tulsa Barbecue School, and. I would teach classes, and I would just do what I normally do. Like, I'm seasoning a brisket up, right? And I'd have people come up in the middle of class, and they're like, you literally put six times more seasoning on your brisket than I do. Yeah, and I'm like, well, it's a big piece of meat. It's, better. you know, 15 pounds. You got to get And they're like, yeah, my briskets always taste bland, and I never knew why. Most people, You're like, using I would say 80% of people in the world under-season their food. They're, and... It's not because they don't. They just don't know how. No one's ever yeah. showed them like this is the appropriate amount of seasoning to use. They think oh, I'm salt. I salt and pepper my dinner a little bit, but which but salt and pepper is great. I, I still you know twenty put, pound piece of meat treat it a little differently. You, you gotta yeah. Well, that's so that's what one I thing said. that we teach people a lot is think, like hey, season I, heavy. Like experiment with seasonings. Like well, there's a big difference. That's, that's what, what I, I said to Trent. I was like I was doing uh, Meat Church, which is you know another great guy to follow. Uh, Matt Pittman's Matt a good, Pittman down in uh, he's a, he's in a Texas bait guy. He actually he just doesn't broadcast it as much as others yeah he, he gets paid by Traeger yeah I was about to say I think I think he's sponsored by somebody else yeah yes. Traeger gave but him um he does he does a lot of stuff um that I watch and I, and I use a lot of his stuff too but one of the ones that I first fell in love with was uh Meat Church's Honey Hog yeah and I was like man this Solid. is really good like this is really good but I want a little bit of kick and he was like try the Honey Hog Hot right and I was like man I didn't you know like it like I, I'm not getting that flavor 
Holy I'm not giving that flavor as soon as it's cooked. He was like, use more rub. I was like, yeah, you know, but I feel like, like I'm using a lot finish already. It. Finish it with a rub. Well, too. I always do that as well. I, I, I think I gave you that. I was like, when you like on a pulled pork, it's, you know, finish with that little bit of rub. It'll, that sugar will melt down in that heat and you'll get that extra little bit. Yeah. yeah you know, it's like, if you want a little bit more, what do you do? Add more. Yeah. So that's why they come in big, big cans is uh, always what I think to myself. You know, if, <laughs> if you were only supposed to put a little bit in, they give you a little, uh, a small amount. Well, now I'm like nervous because I use like a whole can on like a pork shoulder or pork butt. That's and I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> now wrong. I feel There's like I'm using too much. Uh, is, does it taste bad? No. Then you're good, man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> my wife prefers the pork over the beef. Um, but, um, You'll get you that. know, one of the things that I did, I mean, and I asked Trent this, and I've been telling Trent that he needs to make his own YouTube channel or his own, needs to start his own podcast, but um, the cuts and meats. Yeah. I was going, and That's I great. and I love Siggy's. I, yeah. lo- I love Siggy's. They're, they're great people. Jeff, man, those guys down there, they're salt of the earth. I love them. Yeah. yeah. Jeff's a big hasty bait guy. He's their meat manager down there oh yeah he's their gm isn't he or is he the i don't know what i think he's the he's our market manager he's something high up in there but he's a big hasty big but i so i was going in there and i was buying the flats and i was spending a lot of money on like a six pound flat and he's like he's like you're he's like you're getting a choice cut like trent said that or jeffrey said that trent 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 said that not hasty or not uh siggy's uh he was like you're getting a choice cut he was like you're gonna get you can go go to sam's and get a prime cut and you're gonna get it cheaper and you're gonna have a lot more meat and it's gonna taste better so really what is and and i've seen a buddy cook with select cuts yeah we've all done it really i mean does it been a while is there a big difference between those cuts and your finished product like what is the difference so and why is it so uh, without without going in crazy in science the way that that these cuts are judged so if you're familiar with beef at all or even if you're not you probably go to the grocery store and you see something like select your choice or prime Mm-hmm. And rightfully so, people kind of understand, okay, there's a grade of meat. This is a better piece of meat than the other. Sure. What, what happens is at the slaughterhouse, or not the slaughterhouse, when they're, when they're actually going to butcher this cut and these are, they're hanging whole steers, mm-hmm. USDA inspectors come in and they make a cut into that carcass. Uh, I believe it's between the 12th and the 13th rib, but I could be wrong on that. But essentially, they cut in, into the end cut of a, of a whole ribeye. So if you're rib. used to seeing a ribeye steak, ribeye steak is cut off of, of a ribeye loin, a rib loin, uh, you know, that probably weighs 15, 20 pounds, a big old hunk you know, meat. And they'll make a slice into that, and they'll, they'll pull the meat apart, and they look at the marbling inside that where that cut is of that meat and they have a little chart that they hold up and based on the amount of marbling they see in that meat they grade the entire animal mm-hmm. is it select is it choice is it prime is it you know not graded at all because it's so low a lot of it's done by camera now correct but, but, but that's the process yeah. is that they they make that cut and they determine the kind of meat based on that so Nine times out of ten, that's a really good gauge as far as are you buying select choice or prime? Like, are you buying a a better or a worse cut of meat? Sometimes you could have a prime grade rib loin and it still produces a a select brisket. But at the end of the day, like that's the scale that we have. Mm -hmm. But what it really means is that a select is going to have less intramuscular fat 
than a choice or a prime would, and that fat level goes up. Well, fat's flavor, right? Fat's, fat's also tenderness. So as you're cooking mm-hmm. and that fat tends to render, you know, if you, if you think about it. Less water in there when there's more fat, too. There, so you have less water inside the muscle itself. You have more fat. And as that fat renders, it creates these pockets, right? So you have little veins of fat, and that fat melts, and now those pockets kind of collapse. Well, that creates your tenderness. Mm-hmm. So when you're buying a prime piece of meat, you're buy, buying meat that has more fat, more flavor, less yep. water weight, more beef flavor, essentially. More, so yeah, I always tell people, there. buy the most expensive, most high-end, most quality cut of meat you possibly can. Now, if that means that it's a stretch for you to afford select, okay. Like, that's where you're at. That's fine. Yeah. But get but, it. But get the select. But, but... You want to try water. to buy the best thing you can because when you start off with a really good product, you end up with a really good product. Good when you start with out. a bad product, it's hard to have a really high-end, you know, quality product that we're in. There's, yeah, uh, there's I don't, guys out there that can cook a select brisket that's, you know, it's not bad for tacos or something, but, man, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you got, there's a lot of baby and you got to do along the way. Well, you also got to know what your end game is. Yeah. You know, so if I'm trying to create this really, you beautiful know, overtly, slice. you know, beautiful flavor pack you know piece of sliced brisket prime select is not going to get me there but if i'm doing a bunch of chopped beef and you know i'm going to sauce it put it in a big old pan feed 300 people with it like you can cook select brisket that's fine yeah buy the cheapest one you can find so you just it's all to me man it's all tools in the toolbox yeah like what what are you trying to accomplish and you know how what kind of quality are you doing now like the guys at siggy's i think they sell for the most choice and you're buying that that trimmed flat Mm-hmm. Well, the reason you're paying an upcharge for it is, one, they're trimming it for you. And it's it's not a bad cut of meat. It's just no. cheaper than the prime cut of meat. Mm-hmm. But they're trimming it for you, which saves you about 20, 25 minutes if you're doing a really, you know, you know a good trim on it. Or two hours if you're Mark. But. Well, and like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, like, and Reese's will do the same trimming. thing. Like, if you buy a whole cut, you know, Reese's is our local grocer here in Tulsa, one of them. Uh, I don't normally buy a lot of briskets from them because they're very expensive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they do is they're normal, you know, on Ul- a, in a normal trim. year. Not right now because prices are crazy but you know four bucks for a pound for a full pack of brisket or they'll trim it for you and it's like seven bucks a pound yeah they call it their ultra trim right which is nuts because you take all the fat off and then you dry it out so yeah go down to sam's <laughs> go down to costco buy that you know if you know how to do some night work not even if you don't know how to do knife work that's like the, going that's YouTube, the way to man. learn like that's probably how you learned right i just started trimming yeah, yeah, I mean, you just... You well, I t- and I was texting Trent. I was like, what am I doing here? Yeah, and he was like, but you know, there you go. Go on YouTube, yeah. type in trimming a brisket, and there will be 5,000 videos or more yeah. on how to trim a brisket. 90% of them are probably pretty correct. Yeah. You take it's off all the hard fat. You guys. make sure you don't have any too, you know, too big of a fat buildup anywhere else. Yeah. And then you throw that sucker on. I yeah. always like to tell people to cut that carterized area where they split the brisket. Yeah. That's always one of my... I mean, it's just a like a, a visual thing for me but it's just little things like that but once you get good at it it takes you 10 minutes and you can learn how to you know render your own beef tallow that's the new rage beef tallow is funny you ever done beef yeah. tallow no so you oh. take all that trimming that you took off your brisket so all the fat that you pulled off throw it in a pan put it in your cooker put, when you're cooking everything put, else put water in it so you don't burn the, i don't even put water in it. It, it well if if you've done this a lot more than most people but i would say people who are newer at it maybe put a that's little fair. water in it so you don't burn your fat 
It'll like, still it'll still render in the. I'll put it in a fan. You're gonna melt your fat, and it's literally gonna be liquid in the pan. Mm. And then you Stra- take strain it, out the you, solids. You strain it out. Pull out the solids. You strain it. Put it in a mason jar, and now you have solid beef fat. It is that's beef been clean flavored fat because all the oh. stuff you filtered out all the stuff out. So now you take a you know tablespoon of that, throw cook it in your cast in iron it. pan, cook your steak in it, throw your eggs in it, put your bacon in it. Doesn't matter. You hmm. will have the happiest wife around. Because I know she, she likes tallow. the pork. You need, you, need yep. that, you need that beef to come around. Throw that little bit of beef tallow on there. Or you, you can go buy it for 20 bucks a jar at the grocery store. You go to Burnco, mac and cheese at Burnco, they use their beef tallow in it yep. as, their, as their oil base. They used well, to I do went that and they the, were out of everything. They used to do that oh, with that the... Uh, I know. Which is good, the, though. I like that. The, the grilled tater salad, that yep. was... He used to do... Uh, yeah. Beef, uh, beef tallow and bacon grease. I think was the was his. Oh, trick I'm sure they probably it, still. It? Yeah, I wouldn't I, be surprised if they still yeah, did it. So it was a little beef tallow and a little bit of bacon grease on the bottom to start the potato salad. Animal fats themselves are they're fun to play with. It sounds. I mean, if you're a vegan listening to this, like I'm sure you I don't think, turned I don't it off. think we have it. Go ahead. And, uh, you're go five ahead and people. You don't have podcast. one vegan. Uh, but animal fats themselves, like if you've never had duck fat fries. Oh, good God. You know, we're we're a block away from Fouster Hall down here, and they have duck fat fries on the rig. Nick and I are both uh, big duck hunters, too, so we we get it given to us, yeah, which is that, nice. Same thing, melted down get, to tallow. Like it's... Really? Yeah, man. It, but animal fats, you can use them in so many different ways. You know, I, I grew up, you know, mom used to keep a... a coffee mug of bacon fat on the stove yep mm. and every time you would cook bacon that was you'd my dump that into the mug and then you put the foil over the top and it stayed there it's the infinity and we still bottle. do the same i don't keep it on the yeah infinity bottle uh <laughs> we don't keep it on the stove anymore i keep it in the cupboard but i have a a, a bacon fat yeah. you know tub that every day when we cook bacon because we cook bacon or sausage every morning that fat yeah. goes out gets dumped into the tub and yep. it's the infinity bottle of fat and it's I mean, I'm, a, I'm sure my cardiologist is. I don't have a cardiologist, but if I did, well, fat's good for you. It is good. It is hashtag keto. It's good for you. Yeah, I'm gonna tell. I'll tell my wife that too. So anytime a fat guy tells you fat's good for you, just, like, just what does your mom tell you about uh, chefs? My mom says never trust a skinny cook. Well, you'd be the one here at the table. <laughs> the one, the one skinny cook at the table. My friend's um, getting a little belly on. My, my frame, my frame hides me well. <laughs> But I think I think I just get lucky because I'm standing on my feet the whole time I I cook uh, barbecue. So you know, eight hours, sixteen thousand steps in, it, it balances itself out. See that I built an outdoor kitchen this year so that I could cook Which is barbecue and then by the sit way. down and drink a beer. Yeah. It's not going to help my frame at all. It may it may it look a lot easier. to me. I haven't been there yet. I, I'll, I'll make my way out there pretty soon. Uh, but it looks like one of the top five places to sit and drink a beer and maybe cook some food. I'm not going in the state. You guys need to come up and have a steak with me. Oh, I'm I'm all for here's, it. Here's the thing about Nick. He can cook a decent steak, too. I can, I can do okay. Actually, you know, beef, he's relatively new to all this stuff, but, you know. <laughs> every now and then, I, every now and then I, I win. No, there's few people that I'd like to have cook for me anymore, and, yeah, he, I'd say he's one of them. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you keep saying that. I, I'm like, I'm, I don't know if this is good. The best brisket I've cooked was the one, was the one from Siggy's. My yeah. prime from, I was like, eh. It's because you got your process down. I think when you did that one, now now you can start to to tweak it down. I'll, I'll I tell you a little one. secret here between you, you, me, you, and the five people that listen to this podcast. Yes, um, I still get nervous Seven every time I cook brisket. Yeah, and and I will Why tell you, I, I cook. They're all. You know, I'll do I'll do caterings where I'm cooking forty of them. What? Yeah, I know my process. I know my timeline. It's a natural product, so you don't know what's going on inside that meat until you cut it. Kind of like now, what I will was saying say, about I've that. Got, I've it gotten could, to the it could point. be that one out of ten, like he was talking about when they're grading. You know, nine out of ten times yeah. looking at this ribeye primal here. 
that's going to be a prime brisket. Well, maybe you get that one out of 10 that's a select or a no right. roll, which is even, they don't even grade that underneath. And yeah, good luck. Now, I, I buy, like when I'm catering or, or even cooking in general, I buy all prime briskets. So say I bought 40 of them, right? I know no matter how good I have that process down, no matter how many, I, like, I'm not, I'm not going to screw, like, I'm not going to screw them up. Like, every now and then, rarely do I screw up a brisket. Most of the time, I nail it. But what that there's means is even when I cut into it, there's still an unknown factor yeah. of, like, did this thing behave the way every other one behaved? And the difference is, is, like, I know how to adapt to it. So if I cut into a brisket and that thing dried out, it's like, hey, we're having sliced and chopped brisket we're tonight. chopped over here, yeah. <laughs> you just have to know how to adapt. Yeah. You know, but realistically, every product that you're cooking is a, it's a natural product. So did that cow that had two briskets on its boobs, right? It's walking around, it's doing its thing. Did it lay on one side more than the other? Did it frolic in the field more than it sat there? Did, did the it farmer eat more have, than the cow? Be, like, did the farmer all, have more fescue that year versus a grain? I mean, yeah, I mean, like all of these, these, all, these things are like, play. There's, there's nothing that makes one brisket the exact same as the other. So at the end of the day, like, you still just have to adapt. Like, you, you cover all the bases you can. And every now and then, like, my wife is used to me saying this because it'll happen every now and then. Like, okay, like I did some pork chops. This, I'll even let you in a little secret. I did a video about pork chops that we're releasing this next week. Right? Oh. The flavor was there. They, I pulled them at the right time. Like, the tenderness was there. They weren't very good. It's mm. on a video. I'll tell you even how to do it. <laughs> but, like, but I sliced video, into them after I was done. I was like, eh, that's okay. And I, I have it to happens. just say, you know what? It wasn't that great a piece of meat like I thought it was. You know what? That's lamb for me every time I cook. Really? I blame it on the cut. What kind of what kind of lamb are you buying, though? I've tried it all. I've tried Man, local. I love, I love rack of lamb. <sighs> I, I, no? I need, the only good lamb I've ever had, and it's kind of a weird thing, it was I had lamb and goat in the same day, and that was in uh, St. Thomas, of all places. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of lamb It was cre- Creole style. I like was, goat. Yeah, it's really good. Like a... Like, like a uh, hero or whatever they're called? No, like a the, hero? No, this, hero? that's lamb. This that's, was, I yeah, that's goat. lamb. Uh, that's goat meat. No, normally it's lamb. That's lamb. Oh. Uh, yeah. But th- this was more of a, like a stew. Instead of an oxtail uh, yeah. stew, yep. they had a, a goat, and then they had a, the same place had a, a lamb specialty. They made their own hot sauce and Bloody Marys, too, so that's what I originally ended up there for. But I like Mary. goat yeah. tacos, if you've never had them. I, there's a place called Woodshed down in Fort Worth. Delicious. That does goat like once a week, and mm. they'll do goat tacos, and they're, they're very good. You know who taught me how to cook lamb was Jess Prowse. She is a hardcore carnivore. So they, oh yeah, the, she's, the she's carnival, Aust- hardcore carnivore black that you she's like. An Australian, that's her brand. Oh, she's okay, an Australian Texan. Yep. And the last time I actually had a hangover was when I, I met don't. her and hung out with uh, this guy right here in the same evening. Yeah, hmm. that'll, that'll. Oh, I remember that night. Yeah, Ooh. but yeah, so Jess is a good friend of mine, uh, and she's awesome. She, she taught me how because coming from Australia, they cook a lot of lamb. Oh yeah, and she taught me how to cook lamb, uh, and I still I don't nail it as often as I'd like to. She nails it every time because you know you grew up cooking it. That's what you yeah. do. Well, when you're cooking lamb and kangaroo and all that stuff, it's it gets easy for oh, no, her. Is that kangaroo? Is that a thing? Like, she's got it. In her I don't think book. so. Does she really? Yeah, I have her cookbook. Could, I haven't even read it. You can go to Harvard Meats and get kangaroo. Yeah, mm. king, kangaroo loin is. Uh, doing this afternoon. Very, I think I think it's a very. You just want to come up and cook kangaroo? Well, I gotta, I gotta go to work at five. No, but but yeah, so. 
That's really fun. That's a. Uh, I'll have to have you. I have to have you make a what's cooking Wednesday lamb for me and uh, see you can do a lack of ram, uh, a lack of ram, a, yeah. a rack of lamb. In it, and Jeez. I and I and I pride myself on being able to cook almost anything. But you know, I feel like that's the one thing I I just haven't had and haven't had done done what, correctly. What's your nemesis so far? Like, what's the hardest thing for you to? I'm turning um, the tables and asking you questions. I here. would, yeah, yeah I like that. I would say it's. I mean. And aside from being your worst not, critic, like, not brisket. Yeah, I am my worst critic. Yeah, like well, we all are. Which is he's, what we all are. he's like, I mean, I'm pretty like, harsh on him too. Like five minutes, like after I'm showing him the finished product, he's like, you I'm, like done I'm, this. I'm like, I'm like, man, this is so shitty. <laughs> but I, I I'm you like, know, it's good. You know, he's it, like, he's like, how is it? He's like, you know, it comes from. A he's place like, I'm love. like, it's good. And then like five minutes later, I was like, God damn, this, this thing sucks. But it all comes from a place um, of love. I've known no. Mark a long enough time that he gets it. I would, I would say ribs so far. Yeah, okay, um, ribs are hard. I've been. I think what, what was the last one I did? Spare. Yeah, you spare, did. You I did, did spare spares, ribs. Some uh, St. Yeah. St. Louis style. ribs. Ribs are. Um, you know, is, right it, is it nailing the? I'm not tender, a fan of this hot and fast. Tender. You're not a fan of hot. No, okay. I'm not a fan of hot and fast. And, and I'm not either. I need to. I, I need I consistency. You like that char? I love. The, I love the bark. I'm a bark guy. I'm, I like so, bark too, see, but I'm, I don't like hot and fast. I just don't. I don't know what it is. It, to me, it's just it's chaos. Yeah, because if you okay, if you well, let when that I say fire, hot and fast, I'm not talking 500 degrees. He's talking like no, 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 three, no, no, no. I'm talking like 350, 350. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about too. Okay. Yeah, but to me, that's chaos. See, like, my, if I'm in a 350 yeah. range, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> I've got burning. too much going <laughs> yeah. on here. Well, yeah, you get off, you get off a couple minutes, and things can get haywire really quick. Oh yeah, that's at, the other thing. Like, I was like, hey, I spritz. I think uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about a brisket one time. Yeah. I opened up the thing and I spritzed it. He's like, you left the thing, you left your hood open too long. Because it just like shot up, and I'm like, "What the hell?" I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something I I learned, and I'm still learning. Right? Is give yourself grace. Sounds as, good. As you're cooking, right? We got some awesome music going on. I might bust out some dance moves. I know. Yeah. Trying to put your shirt back on. Um, <laughs> it's a button up. No, like give yourself grace <laughs> when you're cooking, and don't be afraid to literally pull your meat off the grill. Yes. Okay. Just, like it, it, it took me a while to get to this point, but if you're cooking. And you and you feel like, hey, this fire is going to be too hot. It's literally just pull it off, man. Like there's there is nothing wrong with taking a Pete, uh, Pete a piece of meat off the grill, ten or fifteen minutes. Slide that bottle away from it. Slide it over there. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with doing that and letting it rest and like getting to the point where like, okay, I have control over my fire again. Right? Better, better than burning. Something. And then it's better than burning something like I and I constantly have to, especially when I'm catering, man. I have to coach myself this. I'm like, breathe and calm down. These people, like, these people are going to think this is good. Well, I'm, I'm even like, Hopefully. just don't panic. Like, there's yeah. nothing to the point that's happening right now, unless your meat is on fire. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's nothing to the point that like you can't fix this. Even like, if it's not on fire. And for sometimes too long. just like taking that meat off the fire is enough for you to be like, all right, take a beat. I can breathe now. Like, how do I solve the problem? How sure. do I, you know, go about what I need to do? Wrapped right. and overcome. So well, ribs are yours. Ribs are mine. I'm a pork loin guy. Can't nail it. No, oh, I can years do that. and years and years. Can't nail pork loin. I've done that one. I overcook it every time. Even if I'm even if the temperature is correct. No, I, I go up like a little bit. You go up higher. Yeah. We get to one forty-five. I go one forty-five. No, I take mine about one fifty-five. See, I go one fifty-five, and it's like dry as hell. See, I'm like, I'm like, a, I'm like one forty-two. Maybe, maybe I'll school you, and you school me. I'll teach you ribs. You'll teach me pork loin. I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. Let me teach you this word. This yeah, juicy, B. real moist. Everything is fine. Yeah, like pork chop, like bone and pork chop all all day long. But you give me like a pork loin, like a a fat on no bone pork loin. 
Like, I will find a way to F that thing up every single time. Mm. Butter, butterfly it, stuff it with green chili and cream okay, cheese, call it a day. No, you can't stuff it and call it. <laughs> you know. Well, um, boys, we better... We better get, get out of here. I think we'll, I think have, bar, we'll have to do an, uh, I think the bar is about to open. We'll we can do a part two of this one. We can. Nice. For sure. I'm, maybe, I'm game. Maybe fire and green. Yeah, have you over to mine and turn, then we'll, turn just, the, we'll double turn the yeah. right. is it is it different being on somebody else's podcast? Uh, have you done it before? Uh I have. Uh no, it's good, man. It's comfortable. Yeah. You got a, you got you have a nice Joe Rogany voice. <laughs> I appreciate that it. It encourages good. the conversation. I do like to listen to that. It is right? nice. I really we, there's not it. nearly enough conspiracy theories. Now, now no. when, <laughs> we could get into that. Now when he now when he texts me, I can I can just think of it in this heavenly voice that he has on his podcast. <laughs> nice. So, let's talk about microdosing real quick. <laughs> well, we could if you guys wanted to. <laughs> no, man, so, I've, I've got some chocolates if you guys want any. Some of yeah, us call that Saturday, but No, this has been fun, man. I love this. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming by. I mean, we've been trying to plan this for a while. Yeah. Um, but we made we'll, it. we'll get together again soon. Let's yeah. do it. I appreciate it. Was, it. it and was if, a good intro into into this lifestyle for some people and hobby for others. They can, so. man. Yeah. I'll, I'll plug it, too, real quick. If you guys are looking for recipes or some fun stuff, like hit up hastybake.com. We got some recipes posted. We got YouTube videos every week we do. It applies to all um, kinds of cooking, too. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, don't translate limit yourself. It, it does. And, and this is the where, I mean, we are already in the, the season of grilling. Oh, yeah. Um, so yep. this is the time. Awesome. Um, but I appreciate you guys coming by. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. I'll yeah, see you guys great. again. All right, bud. All right.